0: Hey hey! Welcome to the Michelle Mission: Two Men, One Podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I am joined as always by my partner. Hey, what's up, highlight your boy? This is Len, A.K.A. the Bat Tribble. Hello. And on this episode, our last stop in 2020's Black Horror Month. You gonna flash it up, Len? Dun, dun, dun. We are actually going to circle back to another feature from celebrated director Ernest Dickerson. 1995's Tales from the Crypt presents Demon Knight, the choice of Lynn Webb. But before we get to the Demon Night* and a little bit of the Demon Day, <laughs> Lynn, we have any business? <laughs> We do have some business, Vince. First of all, we want to
1: wish hello, huzzah, to each and every one of you out there watching the streaming live on YouTube as well as on Facebook. Um, Shout out to Robert Monroe and Aaron Fry for being the first person to hit us up in the chat. What's going on? How are you doing, gentlemen? Um, Vince, I don't know if you are aware of this, but last week we did a show here. (laughs) <laughs> on the Michelle mission.
0: Yeah, yes, yes we did. Like it was like riding a hurricane. <laughs> Indeed it was.
1: Um we had a a show that we did with our good friends Omar Dorsey and Dorian Missick where we reviewed Petey White Straw, PD mm-hmm. Wheatstraw, the
0: Devil's Son-in-Law. Yes, 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 whole title please, whole title, whole title.
1: Yes. And uh, the fans really enjoyed it. We uh, heard back from more than a few people who really liked it and that's, that show has skyrocketed up in our analytics and our download numbers. People have really enjoyed that extra large,
0: <laughs> beefy, R-rated um, yes.
2: show. Yeah.
0: People had to take a break to listen to it. Yes.
1: Um so much so that somebody hit me on the side. I'm not going to put them out there, but they said, um, "Len, uh,
0: you really like the F word a lot, don't you?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they think they think I'm the saucy one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we we
1: went in. Bree Five Seventeen says it was so much fun. Omar Dorsey is a fave, and he's definitely a fave from ours. Absolutely. And we heard from Dorian Uh -uh. Missick, who said that we had an awesome time. He said, I listened to the show between takes and on the way to work. It was hilarious. Thanks so much for having us. So, um, thanks so much for taking part in the fun. Dorian, we really appreciate it. Absolutely, love them guys. Love them guys. Had a ball. All right. So, and we're going to see if we can't, you know, get them back sooner than later. You know, now that we've got this whole uh, virtual thing worked out, as well as bring more uh, special guest stars for you here on the Michelle. Yes, 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 yes. We're going to try and do that for you. We're going to try and do it. All right. We got some emails, Vince. All right. We heard from Sherry D. Hey Sherry D. I'm not a horror film person, but I just had to check out Bad Hair. Oh a yeah, horror a horror flick with a conscience that is currently streaming on Hulu. Um, have you watched it yet? I dug it for about an hour, and then things got hairy. <laughs> and <laughs> I see what you did there, Sherry D. Oh. And Unbeweavable. Great cast, though. But this film documents and confirms my long-held belief that weaves are evil and can kill people. Okay. Um, Bad Hair, as I mentioned, is a horror film that is streaming on Hulu right now. Written, directed, and produced by Justin Simeon, the creator of the film... Uh, Dear White People? Yes, and the this, series. This... The film and the series. Right, and the series. Uh the film stars uh L. Lorraine, Jay Farrow, Lena Waithe, Kelly Rowland, Laverne Cox, Shantae Adams, James Vanderbeek, Usher, um, Blair Underwood, and Vanessa Williams. It's quite the impressive cast. Yes, it is. That is rolling around uh in bad hair. The trailer actually makes the movie look like it's a mix of a horror comedy to a degree. I don't know if you've seen the trailer and have you had an opportunity to watch the movie? Vince? I watched the trailer. I've not seen the movie yet. Ha- have you seen it? I have not. Okay. Um We actually were going to sit down and watch it um the other day, me and my lady, but we actually remembered that, oh, we have um no... We, we were going to sit down and watch it, but then we remember that I had to watch the, the show, the Demon Night for tonight's show. Okay. And, and my lady doesn't like, she doesn't like horror movies. Okay. So like this month, she's had this month off from the Michelle Okay. right? She, she has not watched any movies. And I said, well, this is bad hair. Uh, so like how, how bad can it be? You know? So um, it, it looks like it's kind of like a comedy. So then we watched the trailer and the trailer was enough for her to say no i, I don't need to watch it okay that. i respect that i respect that <laughs> she said it was not it, it was not worth it aaron fry on the other hand says that bad hair has its moments okay um he he actually in, enjoyed it and someone on
0: facebook says that i checked it out and it was definitely worth a watch okay so all right excellent excellent this is this is a moment we are in the midst of a black horror moment, and I'm loving it. Okay, yeah. so that means that you're going to check it out. Right, I'm Vince? I'm absolutely going to get to it. Now, was Bad Hair one of these projects that was supposed to be released to the to the theaters and it got caught up in COVID, or or was this always no, a Hulu project? No, 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 no. No, I think this was always a Hulu. Project. So it's outside of our purview, right? Okay. Well, I I, I did plan on watching it anyway. But okay, excellent. Good to hear folks enjoyed it. All right. Um, The beautiful part about doing
1: this show on video is that, you know, not only does it live out there as a podcast, but it lives out there as a video on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And we got a comment from our episode uh, where we reviewed the fish that saved Pittsburgh. Oh, my goodness. It's from Jay Kickbox. Hey, Jay Kickbox. And more to, and more to the point, it's in regards to your story, Vince, about how um, you went to the movies to go see one particular film, and then wound up seeing another yes, particular film, yes. which was
0: the yes, the NK Star F- Trek the, the, the motion Save picture, Pittsburgh. sold out, ended up in the fish that saved Pittsburgh. Right.
1: So Jay Kickbox writes, um, laughing, my behind off. Great story. I had a similar one with The Last Dragon. <laughs> My, fa- My family took forever to get ready. Thus, it was sold out and we had to watch the share movie,
0: Mask. <laughs> <laughs> that story isn't quite as endearing as mine. <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite.
1: Not quite. But... Um, but, you know, a, a fun story. Thanks for
0: sharing it uh, with what, us, What, what was that about? Like, how did Mask get made? Like, masks how was that a movie a, that a happened? Story. I know it was based on a based true on a, story. I know it was based on a true story, but like, I, I'm just trying to understand how they pitch that. Like, it's well, a it's heartwarming a tale of someone with a disfigurement who learns to cope with life in spite of it and also share. Like how do you pitch? Like what was that pitch meeting like? I I, I don't I'm not, I'm not sure I'm following
1: you man. I can see where that, that movie could be pitched. It's like the
0: the the current day like Elephant Man or something like that, you know? Right. Yeah. But Elephant Man you can actually follow that. Like it was a play and and then it kind of went from there and and then even when the movie came out there was debate about the use of prosthetics cuz in the play the the actor usually does all of the quote-unquote effects quote unquote, himself, and there's so much, right. you, you right. know, and, and let's be clear, The Elephant Man is a really good play. Whereas Mask <laughs> was just like this schlocky 80s thing. Who was that? Eric Reynolds? Eric Roberts? I don't,
1: I don't think it was Eric Reynolds. Is it but,
0: Eric um... Roberts? Remember he was... It wasn't, it wasn't Eric Roberts. No, 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 right, because that's um, what you would call Who was it? It was that guy. He was like kind of a star for like 15 like mask may have destroyed his career. Eric Stoltz. Eric Stoltz. Where's Eric (laughs) Stoltz? Remember he was in stuff like Eric Stoltz was in stuff and then he wasn't in stuff.
1: Eric Stoltz has been in. When is the last time
0: you saw Eric
1: Stoltz? I'm going to I'm going to tell you. When's the last time we saw Eric Stoltz? We just saw Eric Stoltz in um uh he was the voice of authority in Lucky Day in twenty nineteen.
0: Oh, well, I apologize.
1: <laughs> and and he has spent the last five uh years, well, appearing as a recurring character on uh, Madam Secretary. <laughs>
0: Well, there you go. So I guess you showed so, me.
1: There you go. All right, he's done work. He was, he's
0: done I'm work just saying, like an he was well. It like he was like he was in the. You, you know what I'm saying? Like he was in the mix. Eric Stoltz was in the mix, <laughs> and then he wasn't. I don't now know. he's a recurring I mean, character on Madam Secretary. He, um, if he had it all to do it all over again, do you think he still would have done mask? Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure,
1: he would have done mask. <laughs> Come on. Uh, George Kimono has a question for you, Vince. Is Vince wearing a Sade shirt? Indeed I am. Indeed stand I am. Up, up, let me let him give you the... Give him the full Sade, Vince. Give him the full shot. I don't
0: know if he's ready for the full Sade I don't know if any of us are ready for the full shot, eh? (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, all right. (laughs) Nice shirt. Thank you. Thank you. Nice shirt. How do we get on mask? Why are we talking about mask?
1: (laughs) Jay Kickbox. Oh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was like, why are we talking about mask? It was just a really, it was a bizarre eighties film. It wasn't that bizarre, bitch. I mean, why are you coming pretty at me?
1: It was not. <laughs> it was not. It's a story about a kid who, you know, is disfigured and trying to make his way through life, and Cher was a box office at that time. And
0: and Cher is not for nothing. Cher is not a bad actress. I like so, Cher's I acting. Casting. I don't know if yeah. if I remember her performance in mask. I what I I, oh, I bet she was pretty good at that a film a film that no one has thought about in thirty years before this exact conversation. <laughs> anyway, can, can I continue? I'm sorry. T- Go ahead. It was just a weird. It's like one of those weird things that only could have happened in the '80s. It's like when we talked about Madam. <laughs> Remember, we were talking about Madam in um in in the Red Fox movie, and how everybody had like ventriloquists during the '70s, and like none of us right, asked any right. questions. We just sort of went with it. There were these weird eighties movies that like no one like we all just sort of went with it. It was the eighties <laughs> yeah i I just
1: don't see it on landing on on the um on mask as like the eighties um George Kimono says. 80s plus coke
0: equals that's mass. real that's talk that is real that's not have true. have you seen the key and peel spit a uh, skit where they pitched gremlins 2 and they talk about all the crazy stuff in gremlins 2 no,
2: and then at not, the end of I the
0: skit they say everything we just said was actually in gremlins 2 it was a weird period and i do th- i think cocaine was probably involved Breebree five
1: seventeen says the blind girl trope was in the eighties. Vince, I don't know about the blind girl.
0: Trope. I don't know about the trope, but uh, uh, at least once every two months, I uh, I reenact the um plot to Lino Richie's video "Hello" for my entire family because that's the most touching story from the eighties.
1: <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> <coughs>
0: What is the storyline? You, re-
2: you don't remember Dude, the video for hello,
0: so it's Lionel Richie. Hello, is it you I'm looking for? And I don't you know get, if he yeah, works. I know the song. I don't know if he works at the school or if he's just a stalker. But the the woman at the school is blind, and he's kind of floating around her, like because he likes her. And and you know and it's and I, you get the sense that he's distraught because she he thinks she doesn't know he exists, either because hmm. she's blind. Or cause she just don't like him like that. But then at the end of the video, (laughs) he goes into the room, and she says, I want to show you something. This is how I see you. And it's like a bust of Lionel Richie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But then the weird part is it doesn't really look like Lionel Richie. (laughs) No, it doesn't. doesn't. (laughs) And she says, this is how I see you. And it's supposed to be sweet, but then it's just like you have more questions. And then the video went off. <laughs> Summer, Summer, Willow says, <laughs> Summer Willow says he's the stalker. <laughs> right. He was stalking her, but little did he know, she was stalking him as well. I forgot about that. I do. I do remember. That. Then, like, the video goes off and, like, you know, Jermaine Jackson say what you say video comes on. We're like, somehow... <laughs> somehow he's an italian ma- remember he was like an italian mafioso and i think iman played his girlfriend and like he was like he was he was a mafioso he was a mafioso and then she came in and she shot up the shower and then the shower popped open and it was a mannequin and then and then Jermaine Jackson and his black mafiosos they like grabbed her and took her away and then he was sad
1: I forgot. I do remember that. I do remember that video. Like, videos had stories. Like,
0: they were actually epic sagas. They were little movies. I know.
1: I, I know. They were little movies. I know. I know. People just knew they was, you know, this was my moment.
0: <laughs> Ready for my close-up. And then it would go off and it mm. would be a commercial for Mask. Eric Stoltz is <laughs> under eight pounds of prosthetics.
1: No, you remember the commercials, you wouldn't see him. They wouldn't show his face in the commercials. You're right. They wouldn't show his they, face. They, they you they had to go to the movies to see his movies. face. It was always like the back of him. So you could Right? It was his a, head. It's that big dude that big head.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Who are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> she said this is how i see you (laughs) (laughs) like was she sneaking into his house at night and rubbing on his face how did she get how did she get his imprint lynn did, quick
1: me good reference don't you get a little a little vibe of like alicia masters and the thing
0: from absolutely that? Remember how she used absolutely it? absolutely, but you remember she'd always be feeling all over Ben grimm and it made you uncomfortable like you were seeing something you shouldn't be seeing all right vince mm. all right all right oh jesus all right so
1: we got we got uh What business to do, Vince? (laughs) You know, we start the show with an outline, ladies and
0: gentlemen. (laughs) Quickly, we just had a back and forth about our schedule (laughs) because we have a schedule. Um.
1: Uh, Thank you for each and every one of you, ladies and gentlemen, who are subscribing to the Michelle Mission Dispatch, our new uh, newsletter that has been going out. In the most recent dispatch from last week, uh, I I posed a question out to the missionaries um, because, Vince, as you know, while we are in the the final day of Black Horror (laughs) Month... (laughs) Here on the Michelle mission, um, this will soon
0: soon be followed by you know you gonna flash like November. I, I wish Black November month. <laughs> you know you know how much I wish
1: I did have that already right now. Um. <laughs> But this will be soon followed by the holiday season, you know, because Thanksgiving and and, uh, Christmas and Kwanzaa and Hanukkah and everything is going to be coming. And typically during the holiday season that, you know, you'll see tons of movies, uh, holiday movies all over the place. But some networks, especially on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, will literally just marathon one movie. Right. Um, for a long time, TBS um I think they still continue this tradition. Mm-hmm. They do. Of Marathon a Christmas story. It, at least as of last um, year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And America Movie Classic, AMC, they actually got into the to the um feel the mode a couple of years ago and they started rerunning um Scrooged, the Bill Mar- Bill Murray movie. Good movie. Now it's not a bad yeah, one. One of my
0: favorite Scrooge um, adaptations. Really? It, it, Scrooge? I, I love Scrooge.
1: Oh yeah. okay. All right.
0: I'm a sucker for
1: the version with George C. Scott myself, but well, you okay. know, you old school. Um
0: I like Patrick Stewart's version too. That's a good one too. That is a good one. Yeah. It's it's a little uh, joyless, I think, but it's very it's oh, well. it's very well done. Well, you know, we can't all be
1: Mr. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Magoo. Right, right. So anyway, so so I put a question out there to the missionaries. You know, if you had a black network, was there a black holiday movie that you would like to see? You know, marathon mm-hmm. for the holidays because most of the black networks, while they definitely get in the holiday season, they show. Like tons of just holiday movies. They never like just choose one. Right, right, right. So I put it, we put it out there to the to the to the missionaries. It was in the newsletter, and our faithful social media director, Toya, put it out on Instagram um, for people to put in their answers. And we heard from uh uh Mayala cancel. Hey, Mayala uh, a cons. Cancel, I believe, is how you pronounce it. She said, if given 24 hours, I would ask BET to run back-to-back all its original romantic comedies from the early 2000s. But, if we have to settle with one film for 24 hours, I'd say Coming to America. Mm,
0: That's a good one. Or Drumline. Mm, That's another good one. Pretty rewatchable. Or,
1: Simeon by Uzan Palsy, which would have surpassed Sugarcane Alley as a classic today if it had had the proper marketing strategy. Hashtag, I said what I said. So, (laughs) since we only have to pick one, and after much consideration, I'd say coming to America. And I'm replying with an email because my spirit cannot hashtag about Christmas when November isn't even here yet and I'm still wondering where have uh, where have been, been happening what's been happening in the world for the past nine months 2020 is really that year. yeah yeah coming to, coming to America is a good movie I mean it's not a Christmas, like a holiday film but there is holiday in it that's right they do something. I was pretty, about to say uh, I, I think they
0: it. have a Christmas party when um, which McCall proposes Right, yeah, I think that's a Christmas right. party. Oh yeah, you know, utterly rewatchable. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I and I can see watching that like you know all day long.
1: Absolutely, all day long. Now, we also heard from your your brother. Hey, Damon, Vince, and he suggested. Let's see, what did he suggest? He suggested. Uh, he suggested trading places.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. An- another
1: Eddie Murphy. Oh, movie. yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Another Eddie F- Murphy movie definitely has Christmas definitely has in it. Definitely has Christmas in it. Has a Philly angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite Eddie Murphy mainstream film. Trading places. Yep. You know, I separate his white movies and his black movies. That's my favorite. That that's my favorite straight ahead Eddie Murphy movie. I love Trading Places. All right, um, let's see who. And, and we also heard from um,
1: Amy Donella. Do, Donella, excuse me. She also put in a vote for Coming to America. Okay, hey Amy. Um, and New York Crown, nineteen oh eight. Okay.
0: Suggested the preacher's wife. I was thinking the preacher's wife. They actually show the preacher's wife a lot during the holidays. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. I don't know if I could sit through a day of the preacher's wife. Right. Right. I I would probably end up turning back and forth, like trying Maybe. to catch specific moments in the preacher's wife. Maybe. Uh, Jay Webb suggested Beat Street. Can't, can't beat Beat Street. Can't beat Beat Street. I don't know if I can watch Ramo die twenty four times in one day though. That that seems like a lot.
1: That yeah, that does seem a little. I don't know about that. Yeah. One. I don't know. I don't know about Beat Street. I don't know about Beat Street. Not a bad idea though. Preacher's wife is definitely would be cool. I think Preacher's wife and coming to America. Yeah. Are the are the runaway winners in that uh, polling that we did there? All right. All right. Um. Uh we really need to be getting into our review. <laughs> we, you took us you took us far afield, Vince. Um You the one brought up did. mask. <laughs> no. I'm just saying mask. I merely read his right. comment. I merely read his comment, that's all. But there um there was one little bit of news that I wanted to shout out a little bit though. And that was, okay, Ben. yeah, this was it. I'm curious about your feelings about the Richard Pryor movie. Yeah. That MGM is going to be producing. Yeah. And Blackish creator Kenya Barris is going to be making his directorial debut uh, on that film.
0: Now, remind me, is he writing the script, too, or is he just directing it?
1: Uh let's see. Uh MGM won a heated film rights and will partner with blackish correct creator Kenya Barris for a movie on iconic comedian Richard Pryor. W- Barris will make his directorial debut on a film that he
0: will write. Yeah. I'm I am ambivalent at best about this. Yeah, I actually don't mind him as the director. I I don't know how much I, I I see his pen bringing Richard Pryor to life the way it should be brought to life, though. See,
1: I would actually trust his pen a little bit more than him directing mm. because I think that Richard Pryor's life. The movie JoJo Dancer, notwithstanding, which was more or less mm-hmm. a yeah, oh yeah, uh, you know, a biopic um, that he he created. Um, I think his mo- his life is definitely definitely worthy of exploration in the film, right? Right. But I would I would like to see it given a f- full. Cinema treatment, and by that I mean actually feeling substantially like a film, right, and not coming off in any way like, for lack of a better word, uh, a blown up TV movie. Sure, sure. You know? And 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 I don't know that Ken, Kenya Barris would would create such a a property, but considering that this is his directorial debut. I would prefer to see this put in more accomplished hands. I can, I can,
0: I can, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. I I, I guess I go to the writing because I think it is a a story that has so many tones. Mm -hmm. If it's going to be done correctly. And there have been maybe one or two moments on blackish and I don't you, you know and I don't know like I don't know episode by episode who wrote what. Right? Like there've been a couple of you know one or two episodes there is there there's a great there's a great moment in an episode where Anthony Anderson's character talks about the fear we all felt the day of Barack Obama's inauguration when he was walking down the street and we all mm-hmm. were kind of expecting him, you know, hoping he wasn't going to get shot. And it's it's this it it really is this wonderful moment that sticks out of well, you know, the four or five years that Blackish has been on. Mm-hmm. And but but you know, I just go by Blackish. I go by, you know, the the, the cup the episode that we watched of um Black AF. He um mm-hmm. he wrote the script for was it barbershop? A new cut, or was it um, the second barbershop film? I know he wrote. The, I thought he wrote the script for one of the barbershop films. I wouldn't be surprised. I, th- I think that I think he did actually. Right, I
1: can look it up.
0: And it you was, you know, it was solid. It was okay. It was it was okay. You know, like he didn't up in the boat. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But for something like Richard Pryor, I really do think you need someone who again captures all the complexities and nuances of Richard Pryor's life. It was bar- Barbershop
1: the next cut yeah. he was the writer. and
0: I didn't think that was bad. Like, you know, I caught it on cable and I said, ah, that's not bad.
1: Now, in his
0: defense, he also wrote Girl's Trip, which is not a, but, but see, same thing, it's not a bad script, but, uh, you know, let's be, like, nobody came home after watching Girl's Trip talking about the script. That's true. That's true. And he also is
1: um, credited as a writer and I'm sure he probably is more
0: co-writer on Coming to America. Coming to America, which which we are all waiting with bated breath to see. But that seems more his lane. It does. You, You know, kind of very good comedy. Right. As opposed to, Um, you know, what really needs to be a character study. I
1: remember, actually just reading through this article that was in Deadline, I remember back in 2016 when the Weinstein Company had signed... um, They were working with Lee Daniels to do a film about Richard Pryor's life. And at that time, Mike Epps was attached to play Richard Pryor. I really like the idea of Mike Epps playing Richard. So do
0: I. I've loved it for years, but what has happened is what I thought was going to happen, and he's aged out. You think so? I think he's aged out. And I think he's aged out chronologically, and I also think this is a role that's kind of like a hot potato. Mm -hmm. And the hot actor is going to get it. Like, whoever the hot actor is when they cast it, Mm -hmm. I think is going to get the role because everybody wants this.
1: I don't know. Do you think, depending on when the film is set, do you really think? I don't know if Mike Epps is necessarily aged out of it. Um, he's he's forty nine, and he he probably could still pass in his thirties, forties.
0: I would love it if he did, but I just it just feels like they're going to go with somebody younger. Yeah, yeah. I wish well, they would. You know. Mike Epps and we both agree to like Mike Epps was the best thing far in a way in the Sparkle remake. Like Mike Epps yes, at that speed as Richard Pryor would be phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Most so I'm holding out for him, know. but you know, I hope that it gets done because it's a story that's worthy to be made. And I'm going to um... <clears throat> well, I hope that it gets done well because I think you got one shot. Yeah. Yeah, that's
1: the thing. You got got one shot
0: at this Richard Pryor movie. You only got one shot.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, But oh, who knows? You know, maybe it'll. I mean, Aretha Franklin is getting a miniseries and a movie. So, yeah, yeah. If Aretha Franklin can get, if Aretha Franklin can get Cynthia Aurora playing her on TV and Jennifer Hudson playing her in a movie, then maybe Richard Pryor can get Mike Sepp Mike Epps in a movie, and I don't know. Uh, what's his name? I just threw a blank on his name. Nick Cannon in the in the TV series. <laughs> You're not laughing. All right, so.
0: <laughs> you just looked at me dead like. Yeah, that that ain't even funny. <laughs> Well, you were breaking up a little bit. You were breaking up a little bit. So I was trying to go with it. I didn't want to mess up the recording. Oh,
1: okay. Okay. Well, cool. Well, I said Nick Cannon in the television show. But um, anyway, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Bree Bree 517 says Mike Epps was the best thing in Lottery Ticket. And he was only in that movie for
0: like five minutes. Mike Epps was the best thing in Jumping the Broom. Uh, Mike Epps wasn't the best thing in the last Black Man in San Francisco, but Mike Epps was... he was a was, very good thing. He was a very good thing in a film with a lot of good things in it.
1: Mm-hmm. And he's, and he's not in it a lot, and, he's, and his moments stand out.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I yeah, really, I, I, really like Mike Epps, the actor.
1: Yes, yes. I'm not a fan of him as a comedian, but as an actor, yeah. I'm a huge Mike Epps fan. Yeah. I, am, I, I stand for Mike Epps. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, um well we gotta we've got a movie to review. yes, we do. We have to review our final selection for <laughs> Black Horror Month
0: <laughs> I'm gonna miss this. <laughs> <laughs> I've grown accustomed to her face
1: <laughs> for those listening. We have a graphic that goes up every time we. Uh, say Black Horror (laughs) Month that tickles Vince unendingly. Um, Let's get into our review of Tales from the Crypt colon Demon (laughs) Night. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages.
2: Universal Pictures is proud to present the motion picture directing debut of one of America's most talented and respected artists. Cut! Cut, 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 cut! Oh, hello, kitties. So glad you could join me. Your pal, the Crypt Keeper, has gone Hollywood in a big way. I'm directing my first feature film. Care for a little shriek preview? <laughs> For my Big Scream premiere, I wanted lots of suspense. uh Special effects. <laughs> Sex. <laughs> Violence. The kind of thing you could really sink your teeth into. Hey! Frights! Camera! Action! Uh-huh. It's about a chase through the ages. A race against time. Uh-huh. The war between good and evil. Come on out, everybody! It's time to play! And the final battle between man. <gasps> I'm sorry. And demon. I'm not gonna hurt you. Oh! I lied. It stars Billy Zane from Dead Calm, William Sadler from Die Hard 2, and Jada Pinkett from Menace to Society. Ooh, I love those titles. And you'll love Demon Knight. They're here! The demons are here! And ladies, if you think Demon Knight is too gross and yucky, Thank you.
0: Tales from the Crypt presents Demon Knight or actually Tales from the Crypt colon Demon Knight directed by Ernest Dickerson and written by Ethan Reif Cyrus and Cyrus Vorce is the tale of Breaker a man who carries the last of seven keys special containers which hold the blood of Christ and were scattered across the universe to prevent the forces of evil from taking over if the Collector gets the last key, the universe will fall into chaos. And the Collector has been tracking Breaker all the way to a small inn in a nowhere town. And now the final battle for the universe begins. Tales from the Crypt, Colin, Demon Knight, starring Billy Zane, William Sadler, Jada Pinkett Smith, Brenda Bake, C.C.H. Pounder, Dick Miller, and Thomas Hayden Church from 1995 is our last entry in Black Horror Month 2020 and the choice of Lynn Webb. Lynn, how would you like to begin our discussion of Tales from the Crip, colon, Demon Knight? Well, I'll start here. This film is...
1: 100 percent well no i shouldn't say that this movie this film is about 80 percent not a traditional black film like if you were going to say get i want to watch black films you and you went to you know uh your local video store, remember those kids? Uh, remember when they used to actually have genre sections in Best Buy of the DVDs? And one section would be Black Films. You would not find Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, in that section, because this film is not, 80% of it, not a Black film. But is that, th- that remaining 20% that makes this film unabashedly a Black movie. And that is because this film is, one, directed by Ernest Dickerson, an accomplished Black director. Um, Pretty much working as a director for hire, as it were, but he's still a Black director. Um, And he is working on a movie that for the first time in quite a while in the genre of horror, features the final girl, as it were, that female protagonist that finds her way either through stumbling, bumbling, or uh, um, uh, ratcheting up the courage to survive at the end and defeat the monster du jour of the film Uh, for the first time since that trope was given birth in most prominently in the 80s even though you could probably date it all the way back into the um, late 60s early 70s the first time the final girl is played by a black woman that being a very young Jada Pinkett pre-Smith in 1995 in this film, which is a kind of like a uh, a blown up uh, feature film uh, version or um, chapter in the Tales from the Crypt uh, series, uh, which was a TV series of popular note in the 90s. And the fact that Jada Pinkett Is not only the final girl, but the way that her role plays out in this film makes this a seminal moment in black cinema, and that is because, as I mentioned, the final girl has almost always been a white woman, has almost always been a younger white woman in her. 20s, 30s, you know, of uh, varying intelligence for one reason or another in these films. Some of these women have been remarkable women who have gone on to for um, very successful careers. I'm looking at you, Jamie Lee Curtis, who took her role in Halloween to to uh, higher levels and to, you know, surpass her, her, her place in the horror genre, but never, you know, never running away from it but the that the role of a black woman in horror films has always been the role of the sacrificial lamb who usually finds herself, you know, killed, murdered on on a pit either um while being while being in the arms of her lover or um being separated from her friends or companions in the film never is the black woman who I have always championed is the true superhero here on earth um never before 1995 was she given the opportunity to be the heroine at the end of these horror films and along comes tales from the crypt colon Demon Knight. A film that actually when you read the history of it before Ernest Dickerson got his hands on it was always meant to uh, change the game up a little bit. This is a film that started uh, famously as a, um, a a vehicle for uh, 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 Four Tales from the Crypt, mm-hmm. but it actually it started as a a film that was always going to have an uh, an African American in in the role. Uh, Mary Lambert, who directed Pet Cemetery when she had her hands on the script, had actually posited that maybe we can make the breaker character, who was played by William Sadler, maybe make him African American. Two, as I'm reading here from Wikipedia, to create a theme that the oppressed people of Earth were also its saviors. Um, Mary Lambert did not go on to make the film, and thus it kept moving on and on. And it was in its subsequent redraftings that the role of the African-American did not land with Breaker, who you think is the protagonist of this film for much of the film, but it actually lands in the role of the final girl, played by Jada Pinkett, who is the true protagonist of this movie. Uh, This is also a movie that stands out in the horror genre, because this is a, a movie that, let's face it, on its surface, it's a 80s, 90s horror film, complete with tons of bloody gore complete with uh disgusting icky looking monsters um who are made even all the more hideous to look at because it's all practical effects mm-hmm. um and that That's is right. something to be appreciated in this in this film and this is also a film that for every bucket of blood there are two boobs right there beside them, (laughs) because this movie, this movie is heavy with breasts, right? So there's a lot of sexualization of the female body in this film. And yet Jada Pinkett, who, for most of the film, is very much in a supporting role in this in this movie, which follows the typical, you know, horror film trope, a bunch of people gathered, you know, gathered together in one place and have to survive in this place from an onslaught of demons and the villains. And all of these characters are, you know, uh your typical archetypes in horror movies. You've got the the nerd by Charles played by Charles Fleischer. You got Thomas Hayden's church as the big dumb uh Dirk, You've got uh William Sadler as the the will-be gone protagonist of mystery. Um you have CCH Pounder
2: mm-hmm. who, who
1: is that rough and rough and ready, you know, um older older chick who's down for whatever in the movie and a perfect role for CCH Pounder to play. Um and Jada Pinkett is definitely in that supporting role. She's kind of like the young uh Spunky, you know, urban chick who's like, you know, like, ah, oh, man, I ain't got no time for this type of stuff. But you can also see that there's a, a an air of intelligence behind her behind her eyes. Right? She's in supporting role for for most of the movie. Yet, like I just said, with an intelligence, she is always acting to the height of her intelligence. Her character is, despite being as you heard. um, in this place because she's on work release, she is always never played for a dummy. Never played for someone who is not picking up what is going on. You know? And in the moments near the end of the film where her form could be sexual sexualized in, uh, in a way, the movie and I don't know if this is Ernest Dickerson I don't know how much this is Jada Pinkett having a little bit of control over her career I would think not much at this y- very young stage of, of her career but the film pulls back and doesn't sexualize her at all in this movie and therefore you, you are allowed to only see her 100% as the protagonist as the hero that she is meant to be standing toe to toe with this villain, the villain played by Billy Zane, sleepwalking for a little, for the most part, through this movie. But Billy Zane can sleepwalk because Billy Zane may be one of the pretty, the ten prettiest men ever to to walk the face of the earth. So he's just pretty Billy Zane walking by, and you can tell he's kind of having a little bit of fun oh, with yeah. it. Oh, um, no this, doubt. This movie is. This movie does not take itself seriously at all, much like the Tales from the script TV series from which it it was born. Um, So he's having fun. Uh, William Sadler, who pretty much has to be sad for the whole movie, um, but he's playing his role. CCH Pound is playing her role. Jada Pinkett is killing in this film. The special effects are definitely definitely cringe worthy the story is eh, you know it's it's horror so there's always a mix of some kind of like religious aspect to it every time you're going up against demons which is kind of like their code word for the devil and um all of a sudden there's the the blood of jesus is in some key <laughs> thing yes. um and and this key thing just shows up now th- there are, plot holes. Man, there are two major plot holes in this movie, man. I'll, I'll let Vince talk, and then we can talk about them. That just all of a sudden showed up in this movie. Maybe I watched this movie three times because I was like, I must have missed something, but no. Lynn hadn't missed anything. I had not missed a thing. I think maybe they just skipped a page of the script. Hey, we met, well, let's just, we're, we're, we're in the home stretch now. Let's keep it moving. Um, if you had told me when we started Black History Month that Tales from the Crypt colon Demon Knight would be my favorite movie at the end of the month, I'd have said you are out of your mind. But despite its plot holes and despite uh, some, of the, some of the datedness of the effects, I really liked this movie. I thought it was a bucket of
0: fun, and I enjoyed it. Um I think is this the best of the four films that we saw It may be but I think it's like being a valedictorian of summer school This this was not a <laughs> this was not a strong this was not a strong group of films that we that we had this this year This is not a very good film This is not a very good film and 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 I think you could tell because Lynn you just pulled one of my moves. You talked for like 15 minutes and didn't talk about the quality of the film at all, which I respect. Because like you, I th- I think there, there are two aspects of this film that, that I found really interesting. The first, it seems mm-hmm. like I may have enjoyed Billy Zane more than you did, but Billy mm-hmm. Zane had completely charmed me by the end of this film. Like like oh, you really? said, Bi- Billy Zane was... I-, I love 90s Billy Zane. Like, I love this sort of... I, I love 90s villain Billy Zane. That's why I yeah. think, like, The Phantom is so weird. You want to talk about You're weird? Right. Eight? Like, like, The Phantom is, I think, the only film I can think of where Billy Zane plays a hero, which is weird because uh-huh. it's Billy Zane, and he should always right, be the right. villain. And he I should know. Bree Bree five seventeen says, "Why is Billy Zane so good?" And, and he's, the bad he's guy fantastic. In all, in there's these films a moment always. in there's a moment in the film where where they have they use the blood of Jesus that Lynn mentioned that yes, the blood of Jesus is a plot point. They use the blood of Jesus to form like shields, and as Billy Zane's character, the collector is is basically seducing a guy. And tells the guy, you have to wipe the blood off. Billy Zane rolls a sponge out of his mouth. (laughs) It is so funny. I watched that part three times. With Billy Zane rolling the sponge out of his mouth and handing it to the guy. So, I really, really enjoyed Billy Zane. And then to your point, I think the two black women characters are actually fascinating. Like, I think they're mm-hmm. actually fascinating. You talk about C.C.H. Pounder's character, and I have to say, what I'm about to say, maybe 45 minutes into the film, I was thinking it, but, like, you were talking about my, my job a minute ago. Like, I just finished teaching Harriet Jacobs, Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl, and, you know, I'm talking mm-hmm. about, you know, the, the subversion of domesticity with black women and how black women use these very traditional modes to make to to make these radical moves. And, you know, like I'm reading Patricia, uh, Patricia Hill Collins, Black Feminist Theory. So I have all this stuff on my mind. And mm-hmm. C.C.H. Pounder's character is is this is a boarding house, basically. And it's her house. Pretty much. And it starts at the beginning where she is like, this is my house, and Jada Pinkett. You never they, they never quite tell you what the relationship is between them. I don't think she's Jada Pinkett's character's mother, but I got the sense she was oh, no. she was an aunt or or a relative because Jada Pinkett is on um work release. Work release. And she's living there. And so, you know, my experience with work releases of like somebody's like somebody had to stand up and say they can stay with me. Right. So she's definitely in this maternal role and in this domestic situation. And as the film goes on again and again, you have these moments where they reinforce that. As I mentioned, each of the characters has a, a vision where the collector basically yeah. tries to tempt them. Seduce them. To seduce them. Right. And not for nothing, CCH Pounder's character and Jada Pickett's character are the only ones that can resist him. That's right. Told you. They're superheroes. But when he goes to seduce CCH Pounder's character, at some point her arm gets pulled off. Don't ask questions. Just go with it, folks. And he serves her arm back to her, but on a dinner platter. Yes. So you have all of this dinner and then do you remember the last two things that she says before she dies? The characters are about are, are running out, you know, the, the 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 place has been overrun with demons and Breaker is is the hero. So of course he wants to protect mm-hmm. everybody. CCH Pounder's character tells him to go on because she has a string of hand grenades that she's going to right. use. Don't ask about the hand grenades, folks. Just go yes, along with it. Go with it. Let's go with it. The next to last thing she says to him is, This is my house. That's right. And then the very last thing she says when the demons overrun her, she pulls all the pins on the grenades, as people only do in the movies. And she says, Supper time. So again, you have this black female character who is playing with the imagery and, and and with, you know, again, domesticity in this really interesting way. Mm. And then wow. you have Jada Pinkett's character, who, as you said, is the final girl. One thing we haven't mentioned, I, I said it a, a moment ago about resisting the seduction. The, the sort of classic final girl trope, when you look at the original essay that uh, Carol Clover wrote, she says that mm-hmm. there is a bit of morality involved, like the final girl yes. oftentimes avoids the slasher or the monster because she's one. She's a character. She's not having premarital sex. She's not drinking. She's not using drugs. She's pretty mm-hmm. moral. And besides the sort of you, you know, it's kind of built in. Jada Pinkett said that she was in you know she was in jail for stealing and now she's on work release. Jada Pinkett is this really moral character. She resists the temptation. Right. You talk about her being a supporting character but when she is activated is when the little boy comes in and then Jada Pinkett steps in as again almost a maternal figure. So, That's right. There's a little boy There's steps a little, in. Vince. Jada Pinkett is, is just sort of a side character and then the little boy's family gets murdered Jada Pinkett starts taking care of him, and that's when she goes to the foreground. It's almost like Ripley in Aliens. When, right. When, right. You know, Ripley is just sort of we got to get it, but and then Newt shows up and then Ripley gets activated. And yes, she is the final girl. Like, I thought you, I thought you, I think you're right about how little Jada Pinkett is sexualized. Because it is, you know, at the very beginning they show her and she's cleaning a stove and CCH Pounder tells her to get dinner for people. Mm-hmm. So you have that and that's sort of domestic and that's gendered. But she's dressed like she's in TLC. So it's all baggied yeah. out and you know I think she has on a midriff but you can't really see it. And then at the end Because she's got like a big vest over it. Right. right but at the end when she strips down she covers herself in the blood to protect herself, again, don't ask. Right. Don't don't ask people. Just go along with it, so that even that again kind of subverts the. Oh well, now we now she has a stripped down that you see part that you see in horror movies, and then she survives. Like she she kills. She survives. She she lives on to you know lives on the fight again. And to your point about the original treatment of this uh, of this film. I thought it was noteworthy that, of course, the collector character has to come back. But now he's taken the form of a black man. Right. So now it has become racialized through her eyes. So that I was actually a little annoyed with you after it went off. I was like, I can't believe I'm thinking about this way more than I planned on thinking about this. (laughs) Like, I won't say this is... I, like, I'll go along with you that this is the best film of the four we watched this month, begrudgingly. But what I will say <laughs> is this is the film that I thought about the most, which I guess yeah. is a testament to this. It is, man. It is. I mean, like you said, when
1: when Jada Pinka covers herself with the blood, and it's the blood of Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. I think what you got to remember, she's covering herself with the blood of Jesus. So, yeah, it, it's like you said, it subverts your your gaze a little bit because there's no like the camera easily could have got close up on her that like any other film and the camera is doing a tracking shot up her body. Right. Right. Exactly. Covered in exactly. the blood, you know, but this film doesn't do that. And then, even in subsequent scenes, when after um, the collector in trying to deal with it, you know, gets the blood off of her, even then, you still don't see her body in such a way that you get like, like the male gaze is 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 not rewarded in any way. Right? It's not sexy. Her imagery on
0: yeah, it's it's not. not Yeah, it's not not sexy.
1: Even even though they do share a a dance at the end of the film, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, but it's it's it, it's not it it's not sexy and it's very easy to go sexy with Jada, with Jada Pinkett because Jada Pinkett is a very attractive woman who and it, I think it really struck me watching this film. I think she I think she's another one of those people who didn't get her just due in films. She has a charisma about her. She definitely has a a charisma that pops off the screen. And I th- think I think it, I think it's to the detriment of Hollywood that she did not maybe stick with movies longer. I mean, now, who knows? You know, we know how movies were in the 90s and how slim the roles were for black women. So, you know, she followed the the road um, that was well-traveled and took her, and went to television, you know. Um, but I just, I would have liked to see some more of her. She really has, like, just, like, popped off the screen and in this, I really just enjoyed sitting there um, watching her.
0: You are a bigger Jada Pinkett fan than I am, but I have to say, as we have been on this journey, and whether we are talking about Bamboozled, whether we are talking about Set It Off, whether mm-hmm. we are talking about Girls' Trip. I have reevaluated how I feel a bit about Jada Pinkett. I was not that impressed with her acting in this film, but I don't think this is a film where anyone did any award winning work. Like, I don't think that's. Yeah, there's this no heavy film. lifting
1: going on in here.
0: Yeah, right. Wow. I, I, I will agree with you. I, I think Jada Pinkett is an actress that needs direction. I think it. I think it's so, like Jada Pinkett. I I, I kind of put her with um. Oh, how did I just forget her name? Vivica Fox. Vivica Fox is another mm. actress where I think there is that kind of, you know, that that kind of spicy mode that they get in. That mm-hmm. a lot of directors just sort of plug them in, and and they never get out of that gear.
1: Okay. So. All right. But but
0: I, I I've I have I, I like Jada Pinkett way more than I thought I did just based on our conversations. Frankly,
1: I I, I really enjoyed her. I, I'm looking at her filmography now. She follows up Demon Night with the Nutty Professor. Um, so wow, <laughs> Jada Pinkett again next month. Uh, then she Jada Pinkett next set month. Set it off.
0: Yeah yeah,
1: and I love her and set it off. She, um, woo, you know, well, woo is
0: woo is woo. Um well, and I, and not to cut you off, but I you kinda see where you're going. Like she's in these movies that either the movies yeah. are forgettable or like a film like The Nutty Professor, they could have they could have just gotten a cardboard cutout and put that there and say, right, Okay, right. you play the love like you play the love interest MacGuffin. So like you can't really right. judge I, her.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is probably why she's not in the, the sequel. Cause, Cause they found another cardboard Jackson. cutout. Like Janet Jackson's manager managed to to jam her in there.
1: Right. 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 Good point. Good point. But I'm just glad so it sounds like Vince that you may have liked Tales from the Crypt. Colon Demon Knight.
0: I liked it as Like, I liked it as part of a... Why is is your face so close to the camera? What are you doing? (laughs) I was waiting for your answer. I want to hear your answer. (laughs) I like it as part of our... Will you back up? It's weird. I like it as part of our conversation. I I saw... um, I think someone just referenced Lovecraft Country. And and I think we yeah. are in this really, really fascinating moment when we're talking about genre and, and black mm-hmm. genre and black people in horror movies. And I think this, I, I like this as part of the conversation. Like this is a part of the conversation that I didn't know existed, mm-hmm. but as a standalone movie, yeah, I don't know if I ever need to see this again. <laughs> like, I'm glad I saw it. And like, when it comes up, I'm glad I can talk about it. But, I, you know, I never need to watch this again. <laughs> <laughs> did, did any part
1: kind of get to you, Vince? Like when um, Billy Zane punches John Shuck through the face <laughs> and then he gets his fist stuck in his face. He's got to shake his face off his
0: fist.
2: Like, get this face off my face. You
0: know, off my fist. You, you know what did you know what did get to me and this was a racialized part. You realize that so Billy Zane is going after this guy and Billy Zane goes up to the local police officers and 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 the film tries to play coy that that mm. Billy Zane, you know, it doesn't it, like Billy Zane sort of presents as an authority figure although Like, it's Billy Zane, so you know he's going to end up being a bad guy. (laughs) But, like, Billy Zane gets out, like, walks up, and he just has on a cowboy hat. Nobody asks him for any ID. Nobody asks him who he is. Like, it's not until, and here it is again. CCH Pounder is the first person in the movie who actually says the words, Who are you? Mhm. And I actually wrote in my notes, boy, it's good being a white guy with a cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> like you just do what you want. You just walk around. Yep. But but no besides well, besides Billy Zane picked, uh, spitting out the sponge which legitimately like that actually made me laugh.
1: That was funny. I will give it up. That was funny. And the look on his face is funny when he does it. He's, he's I'm not a big tails from the crypt guy though. Me neither. Me neither. I really I, I really, yeah, I really yeah. wasn't to me. It was it was just like, you know, it was like t- so much of nothing. Um the, if you are a fan of Tales from the Crypt, the Crypt Keeper is here in the beginning, he's here at the end. Um and, and Quiet is kept. I think that his parts steal from the movie. I mean, I think the movie is you know schlocky, can't be fun on its own. And I think the those little um, the, his, his intro and outro
0: don't help it at all. You know, I, I think I think they actually no. pull away from the film. Yeah, I think. I, 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 I don't want to get too deep into the comic woods, but y- you know, th- this is all pulled from those '50s EC comics, and yep. I always thought "Tales from the Crypt." Was not as clever or as subversive as it thought it was. Mm-hmm. Like there's always this really self-satisfied air with tales from the crypt. Like they're doing something you you, you know, again, something really subversive and dangerous.
2: Yeah, yeah. We're
0: changing the game. Right. right. And yeah, you know, yeah. I think you know, I think that worked in 1957. Mm-hmm. But like in the 80s, I was just like, like, am I missing something? But to be fair, I think that that
1: might have been it wasn't it wasn't we weren't the audience for it in the 80s. I mean, let's face it. I think the Who's audience maybe I think the audience for it were the people that were going to the movies and seeing these type of films. And this was a way to bring them to uh bring them down to a um feasible
0: tv budget uh output but but see that that kind of proves my point though like i think something like the first friday the 13th the first couple of nightmare on elm streets um 80s i'll stop there but but i thought those were much more but i thought those were much more subversive mm-hmm. kind of dangerous mm-hmm. kind of you know almost outlaw like yeah. like tales from the crypt really just struck me as almost a memberberry. like i was wondering who you were going to say it was for because i really did think it was like for the aging baby boomer who found something mm. like 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 nightmare on elm street a little much like nightmare on elm street is a little much but you know, yeah. But by the, the the of, by the time you get to Tales from the Crypt,
1: reminds me. By the time you get to Tales from the Crypt, Nightmare on Elm Street, that movie franchise, and probably to a lesser degree, Friday the Thirteenth, they've almost morphed into what Tales of the Crypt is. Certainly, you could say that about Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, uh, Freddy Krueger darn near becomes a mascot by the time that is all said and done. I would recommend that people go see, see this movie. Look, I don't know where the kid Danny comes from. I don't know how he gets into the wall, you know, gets into this mine that is behind a wall, um but he somehow gets into the gets into the mind that the demons have found. Um I don't I don't understand it. I think I could work it out in my brain, but that's a little bit too much heavy lifting for for a film, like, Tales from the Crypt and Demon Night*, so I just give it a pass. I was like, oh, well, Danny's here. Alright. <laughs> you know, we had no reason, like, we had no reason to know that anybody in the mission knew who Danny was. You know, we didn't see Danny with them. I mean, it's a little so, town.
0: I didn't mind that. It's a little town. You just assume everybody knows everybody. Yeah. okay. Alright, I guess, I guess. <laughs> I guess. It's a- Look,
1: it's a dumb, fun horror movie. Go watch it. Have some fun. It's, it, it's not going to hurt anybody, and it is a historic film for the role that Jada Pinkett plays in this film. So, I, I'll
0: give you this. I would not mind someone like Nia DaCosta or Misha Green, like, somehow, like, like resurrecting this and and like, doing an actual sequel to this. Like it's twenty five years oh, oh, later. Oh, an actual sequel. Like it's twenty five okay. years okay. later, later, and Jada Pinkett's character has been doing this for twenty five years now. Okay. All right. Kind of like the now, last Halloween. Work- kind of like the last Halloween, where uh, you know I think they brought back um, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, yes. I just forgot her name. We were just talking about her, Jamie. Jamie Lee Curtis. And I just lost you. Again. I
1: believe I may have frozen on Vince. And he has not heard me say Jamie Lee Curtis
0: for the third. Yes. Time. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so. All right. We gotta end this before the before whatever is happening with our internets blows up. Um. All right, so that's it. So <laughs> before I can't we wait tell you to hear this episode, so thank you for following the us. Black... Thank you for following us for Black Horror Month, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you have enjoyed it. We look forward to all of your feedback, and you can email us at michomission at gmail dot com, or you can follow us on all the social medias Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Show Mission, and let us know your your thoughts on uh, Demon Night and any of the films that we've covered during black horror month before we tell you what we will be reviewing next week i invite you to like and subscribe to us on youtube become a subscriber to the michelle mission on youtube follow us on facebook follow us on instagram follow us on twitter it really helps it really helps the show and check it out check out the michelle mission.com for swag, because all the proceeds for that go to helping keeping the show free for you. We appreciate it. We even got Michelle Mission uh, face mask out there so that you can uh, watch your films socially distancing safely from one another. Alright? The Michelle Mission is available as a podcast on The Podglomerate. Curated podcast for your listening pleasure. Go to thepodglomerate.com and check out all of the shows that they have there for you to check out. The Michelle Mission is available as a radio show every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM 106.5 FM Philly Cam People Power Media here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And you can wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday at 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7, the voice of Drexel University. All right. Okay. Vince sent is frozen again. So I don't know whether or not he can tell people exactly what we're going to be watching next week. But if he can't. I'll tell you what we're watching next week ladies and gentlemen because it'll be Vincent's opportunity and we will be going into the year of 1996 to review Spike Lee. It's almost like a repeat of Black Horror Month. We started off Black Horror Month with a Spike Lee movie and now we are starting November with another (laughs) Spike Lee movie. (laughs) And Vince is back just in time to tell you the Spike Lee movie that we will be kicking off November with.
0: Yes, yes, yes. A a lot of this film has been on my mind a couple of different ways. A a couple of different ways. Uh, A few months ago when we were talking about um, Deep Cover you and I were, were discussing who has become one of our favorite actors, Roger Gouverneur Smith. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about films that Roger Gouverneur Smith was in a few months I mean, a few weeks ago we talked about the five bloods and I mentioned that there was another Spike Lee film that I thought dealt with black men talking to one another better than the five, five bloods did. Uh, That's one way the anniversary of the million man March was just last week. So that of course is why this film has been on my mind. And then, you know, sadly, I think we're still sort of grappling with the untimely death of Thomas Jefferson bird. And while, while when we talk about Thomas Jefferson bird, I think you could argue his best roles, were in something like clockers or bamboozled those are definitely the the flashier performances by him that we think of but i think maybe my favorite role is in this film so for all of those reasons next week we're going to talk about 1996 get on the bus spike lee's film get on the bus that's
1: right, ladies and gentlemen. We will be reviewing Get on the Bus next week here on the Michelle Mission. And before we do, I hope that each and every one of you get on the bus, get in your cards, or do your own million man march to where you have to go and vote. Vote, vote, vote. Next week it Next week, November third is the elect, is election day. So please vote, everyone. Uh Aaron Fry voted uh just yesterday. Congratulations, uh, Aaron. Briebre five seventeen. Oh, vote early if you can. That's She's right. dropping off her ballot uh today. That's right. You can still do mail in ba- right. ballots. You want to get them in. I voted last postmark. week. I voted last week. I voted on, I voted uh two weeks yeah. ago, actually. Oh, yeah. I I voted. So um Vote, ladies and gentlemen. I don't, you know, I'm not telling you who to vote for,
0: just it's a but it's very important to have your voice be counted. Okay, you should probably not vote for the person who's affiliated with Nazis, though. Lynn, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that we don't like people who are affiliated with Nazis.
1: N- yeah, yeah, that's 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 safe. So I'll that's say safe. that.
0: So we'll say that. We'll say that. We'll say that much. As far I don't as think know. any Nazis are very fine people. No, they're not. Okay. No, they're not. But you vote for All who right. you, you know. But you
1: vote for who you're moved to. Just vote, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Let your voice be heard. Alright? Okay. Until next week. He's Vincent. I'm Len. And in parting, we say...
0: We'll see you when it's time to meet again.